0: Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, EncounterChurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. We're going to jump right into our message. We are in part two of a series that we started last week that we're simply calling Hope in the Darkness. Do you remember last week's message? What do we talk about? That's not fair. We talked about life not being fair. And how many of you know there are many times in life that that we experience things and we're like, man, that's just not fair. I would encourage you, if you missed last week, grab a hold of the podcast or the video podcast and pay attention to what's going on. Let God speak into your life. But this morning, I want to move forward in this idea of hope. Why? Because hope is the, the... basis of who we are and what we're going to experience this year as a church i believe that god has placed the word hope on our hearts it's going to run through the dna of all that we say and all that we do as a church for the year 2020 why because jesus wants to restore hope sorry just giving you a moment to to process that jesus wants to restore hope Whether you realize it or not, and I think you do, hope is missing in our culture today. You turn on the news, you turn on social media, you walk out in public, you go to Walmart, you're going to find out that hope is missing. So what I want to instill in us and what I believe God wants to speak into our hearts is he is willing and he is ready and he is more than able to restore that hope and make it available to every one of us today. Now listen carefully. I use the word available because he will not force it upon you. Some people, no matter how much you put it in front of them, they would rather hang out in their misery than grab a hold of hope. But can I just tell you that what Jesus has for you is so much better than the misery of life? It's his joy, unspeakable and and full of glory. It's his peace that surpasses all of our understanding. It's the hope that we can't comprehend, that we don't understand, yet he willfully gives it for us. That's the hope that Jesus wants to give to us today. But if I was say to you this, if at first you don't succeed, what would you say in response? Try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. How often do we say that? But if we were honest with ourselves, sometimes that's difficult to grab a hold of when you failed over and over and over, when you just can't seem to do what's right, when you keep messing up, when everything around you is falling apart, all you want to do is grab a giant sticker that says failure and place it upon your chest and sulk in your misery. The last thing you want to do is try, try again. Because every time you try It's the same results. So how are we as Christians supposed to respond to failure? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Amen. Somebody just said amen, I appreciate that. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Folks, that's good news. That's something to grab a hold of today. If you're dependent upon God, if you are reliant upon Him, if you give yourself to God, those moments, those times when you trip, those moments and times when you stumble, and guess what? It's going to happen. You're able to, to get up again we're going to process that a little bit but this verse goes on to say but one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked let me ask this question how many of you in the room have ever failed every single one of us every person in this room has scars from life some physical is a result of hey watch this Nobody in particular. <laughs> Some of your, you, your scars are, are on your hearts. Some of you, your scars are inflicted by other people. Some of you are self-inflicted, harm and scars. But our text says the godly, even though they stumble, even though they fall, they're able to get up again. What brings about the difference between those that stay down and those that are able to get up again. There's got to be something that sets the two of those apart. Let me give you a little hint. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. The godly may trip seven times. Now, do you think that's literally saying, okay, man, you you mess up seven times and you're gonna get up at that eighth time? You're done. No, it's saying, you know what, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to stumble, you're going to fail, you're going to falter, you're going to have issues in life, but when those times come, when those situations arise, it's in that moment that you grab a hold of all that God is. It's in that moment that you grab a hold of the hope that is based upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you grab a hold of it and you pull yourself back up. Why? Because you stand on a solid, firm foundation. You stand upon Jesus. I want to share with you very quickly two traps in life. Number one is pride. When we face failure in life, pride is one of the extremes that that creates this tunnel or this vacuum that we get trapped into. Pride says, I'm not going to admit that I'm wrong. Pride says that I don't want anyone to know that I've messed up. Pride says I'm probably very seldom ever, ever wrong. Pride says it must be somebody else's fault. It's certainly not mine. But the Bible says that pride goes before the fall. Can I challenge you today to give up pride? To give it to God? To eliminate the pride in your life? To humble yourself before God? To to make yourself accountable to somebody else? This year you're going to have the opportunity to do that. I'm going to encourage every single one of you, every person that calls Encounter Church home, I'm going to encourage you to be a part of an accountability process where we keep one another on track. Anybody else need that? These sections here. Okay, I'm making just a visual note of who's in those sections. We'll get you signed up. Every one of us needs that. The second is guilt. So on one extreme you've got pride and on the other side you have guilt and guilt is there to remind you of what you've done and how many times you've messed up. All you've said try, try again before but you keep doing the same junk over and over. It reminds you of your past. You wake up thinking about what you did in the past. You, you look in the mirror and that's all that you see. You go to bed at night and you lay, lie there in bed thinking about all the mistakes and all the struggles that you've had. And you hear your coworkers and your friends, so-called friends and your family, and they're saying you're just a failure, you're no good. There's that voice on the inside that says you're never going to amount to anything. You're a disappointment to life. And you feel so trapped, you feel Stuck, I want you to know where those whispers are coming from. The Bible says that every one of us has an enemy. Did you know that? Every one of us has an enemy, the devil. He, he's trying hard to keep you down. He knows that even though the righteous stumble seven times, they're going to get back up again. And he also knows that the wicked, one little mess up, it's going to tear them up. It's going to keep them down. It will destroy them. So he's out to do anything and everything he can to keep you down. In fact, the Bible says in John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking, he says, a thief, in other words, Satan, is there to steal, kill, and destroy. Did you know that Satan's number one priority in life is to steal, kill, and destroy you? It's the truth. Now, there's good news on the backside of this verse because Jesus says, my purpose, the reason that I have come... Jesus has come to give us real life, a better life, more a greater life than we could ever dream of. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they may have life and eternal life, more and better life than ever dreamed of. But look at this. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What does that mean? Well, the word steal is something that affects your present, your here. And now, if someone steals from you it affects your immediate moment this time right now but the words kill and destroy they don't just affect now they affect the future where you're heading if someone destroys you or kills you then your future is impaired do you know how satan affects your present and your future he reminds you of your past You don't have a future in front of you. You're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. This is the same song and dance that you've been through for years and years. You're never going to get past. Have you ever heard any of this before? Can I just tell you that every word that comes out of Satan's mouth is a lie? The Bible says not only is he a liar, but he's the father of lies. Don't allow Satan to trip you up. Don't allow Satan to pour those thoughts in your mind. The Bible says that you are more than an overcomer. The Bible says that victory is yours through him. The Bible says that in Christ, you're a new creation. The old things are gone. That junk that Satan tries to remind you of, that failure in your life, that thing that you keep doing, give it to God. The Bible says that when we give it to him, he's faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us of all the wrong. In fact, he casts our sins as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. So Satan's going, do you remember that stuff you did? And God's like, I got nothing it's gone it's forgotten I love Romans chapter 8 in fact in a couple of weeks we're gonna process through Romans 8 a little bit but it says this so now there is no condemnation Wow! what a relief what a release I don't know if you've ever experienced guilt before But it's dreadful. It will tear you up. But the Bible says that that in Christ, when we give ourselves to him, suddenly the condemnation, that guilt, that load that we were once bearing, it's been released from us. Look at this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, in other words, those that have given their lives to him, those that have surrendered to him, he releases that from them, he gives them victory over that, they're able to move from here now to here, and become what he wants them to be, amen? Amen. Amen. Very quickly, four truths to freedom from failure. Anybody want freedom from failure today? All right, number one, failure is part of life. What an encouraging way to start. Now, I'm just going to give you the truth today. Is that okay? I'm not going to sugarcoat I'm not going to say, this is your best life ever. (laughs) If you just give it to God, everything's going to be perfect. It's not, folks. Life stinks. We make stupid choices. We do dumb stuff. Right? Come on, come on. Is it okay to be real this morning? Failure is part of life. Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. We've all made mistakes. I asked you all ago, how many of you have ever failed? And hands went up all over this room. In fact, James chapter 3 says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. That's why the Bible says the righteous fall seven times. It doesn't say, oops, the righteous made a mistake, but they can still get up. No, over and over and over and over. We stumble, we trip, we fall, we make mistakes, we do dumb things. But we can get up again. I hear people say all the time, well, well, pastor, what if I fail? What do you mean, what if? You're going to make a mistake. Just lay that out there. Now, our goal, our goal should be to do what's right. Our goal should be to make wise choices. Our goal should be to avoid sin. That's our goal. We want to become more like Christ. But along this way, you're going to have mishaps. You're going to have mistakes in life. I'm told that the average NBA player only makes about 50% of their shots. Do you know what that means? They miss 50% of their shots. Half the time, they fail. Failure is going to be part of you the rest of your life. The Bible says every single one of us have sinned. So when we let go of this idea that I've got to be perfect, man, life is going to be so much easier grab a hold of this when we come to that place that we say lord it's not in my strength because god i can't do this lord i I realize that there's going to be mishaps in my life so god i'm dependent upon you see on the onset i I said kind of our secret is our hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness our hope is not built on i'm going to be perfect Look at your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. Now, if they just spoke to you, look back at them and say, neither are you. (laughs) Come on, get the snap in there. That's that's effective. Not not a single one of us are perfect, but I want you to know that failure is going to happen in life. It's a part of reality. And the second truth is this. Failure isn't fatal. That's good stuff right there. Failure is not fatal. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. That means I don't stay down. I don't fail and hit the ground and I'm down here. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. No, I'm able to rise again. I'm able to get up again. Why? Because the hope that is inside of me is not dependent upon me doing everything right. It's not dependent upon me doing everything that I can, but it's dependent upon Jesus and Jesus alone. Hope in God. Just because you made a mistake in the past doesn't mean that the world is over. Listen to this. The fear of failure... Is far more damaging than failure itself the fear of failure is far more damaging than fear itself so what is failure well let me first tell you what failure is not failure is not failing to reach your goal failure is not failing to fulfill all your dreams Failure is not making mistakes. Failure is not dependent upon what others think or do. Failure is refusing to get back up again. Failure is saying, man, I'm not doing it again. I'm, I'm throwing in the flag. I'm giving up. That's failure. But victory is saying, no, 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 not today, Satan. Satan. Not today, because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Not greater is me, but greater is he that's in me. Because of the hope that I have in Jesus Christ, I can get up. It's like any of the superhero movies that you ever watch, and I love superhero movies. There's always that moment when the hero, the victor, is is crushed. He's under a whole pile of rocks, and you're like, oh no, Superman is dead, ah, ah. And then we hear this, and then this big boom, and he comes out, that's us, that's us. There are going to be times when the boulders of life just smack you and everybody's like, oh, it's over, he's gone. And you're like, "Uh uh-uh, not today, because failure is not fatal, When you have the hope of God. Look at it. Look back at our text. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. When you're dependent on Upon God when you rely upon him man, you may feel like I don't know how I'm going to get out of this That's a big old boulder that's heading my way right now This is going to be the last time I'm certain of it and suddenly it it hits you and and that hope begins to well up inside of you That that passion and that that strength and that assurance in God begins to well up inside of you And suddenly you're able to stand up and you think here we go. We're going to do this one more time We're going to make it again We're moving Look what Paul says. I love this. We are pressed on every side by troubles. Have you been there? But we are not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Some of you need to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, and you need to take your ink pen. If you need to borrow mine, let me know. And you need to circle that scripture. You need to circle it and circle it and circle it. Some of you need to type it up and post it in your car. Some of you need to put it on the window of the bathroom. Sometimes you need to put it on the fly leaf of your Bible. Wherever you need it, you need to look at that over and over and over, and you need to understand that failure is not fatal when you have God. How can the Christian Truly rise up and press forward We come to the place of truly understanding It's not in our ability But it's in our trust in God It's our dependence in Him Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6 Reminds us that it's not by might It's not by power by his spirit but pastor man i failed i let god down no you didn't you weren't holding him up you were not once holding god up he's holding you up and he's ready today to reach down where you are to to pull you out of that that all those boulders and all the things that you feel that have crushed you in life. He's ready to lift you and put you on a brand new plane of life. Number three, failure has benefits. Failure has benefits. What possible good can failure have in life? I'm so glad you ask. Three benefits. One, number one is this. Failure helps us to grow. There are some days and some things... That we can only learn through failure. How do you learn to become successful? By failing. I heard a pastor one time talk to his staff, and they were reviewing the past year, and he asked him, He said, Guys, where did we fail this year? And his staff, I mean, this one guy, he was kind of like the bold guy. He's like, Pastor, we didn't fail anywhere this year. We knocked it out of the park. This was an incredible year. This was the best year ever. Not one failure. The pastor looked at his staff and he said, guys, then we didn't try hard enough. There are going to be, when you're pressing forward, when you're learning, if, when you're trying to achieve great things, there are going to be failures in life. The fact of the matter is this if you're not making any mistakes you're not growing let me say that again if you're not making any mistakes you're not growing now let me say the flip side if you're making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over and there's no change you're not learning from your mistakes The Bible says in Proverbs 26, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats its foolishness. I don't need to expound upon that scripture, right? We all all understand, no video illustrations or anything. We all all got that one, correct? As a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats its foolishness. Can I just be honest? There are times that we're pretty foolish. Well, I'm going to go back to it because it's going to be different this time. This time, I've got a new angle on that issue. I'm going to, I'm going to go back there. I'm going to hang out again. But it'll be different. No, it won't. It's the same vomit. It's going to make you sick again just like it did the first time. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Think about this. If Paul hadn't learned anything... Do you think Paul would have finished strong? No. But all along the way, Paul was learning more and more about what God had in store. Allow your failure to bring about a change. Allow your failure to bring growth in your life and get up and get moving forward. The second benefit is this. Failure helps to motivate us. Proverbs chapter 20 says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Could it be that that God can use that difficult moment in life to get your attention? The Bible says that God causes everything to work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, does that mean that God causes every problem? No, we'll talk more about that, I believe, next week. But he'll take that situation that you're going through, he'll take that circumstance that you're faced in life, and he goes, you know what, I can use that. He lays that in front of us and says, what if you did this instead? He gives you an opportunity to grow, he gives you an opportunity to learn, and as long as we are dependent upon self, we'll never come to the place of trusting God. See, as long as we look at that situation and go, no, 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 I'll do it differently this time, we're going to keep returning to the foolishness time and time and and time again. Just like we talked about last week, we've got to come to that place of, of trusting God, even when it doesn't really make sense. Even when we can't wrap ourselves around us, we need to learn to trust God, allow Him to motivate us, to move us in a new direction. The third benefit is this. Failure helps to build character in us. Failure helps to build character in us. Romans 5, we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces, say it with me, hope. hope. There's our word. There's our word, that, that character, it produces a, a hope inside of us. When we mess up, it, it has a way of, of softening our hearts, of humbling us a little bit more, hopefully it helps us to grow and become a bit more mature. Allow your failure to make you less judgmental. Allow your failure to bring a bit of sympathetic response to people who are hurting. Allow your failure to make you more like Jesus. After all, that's our goal. At least that's my goal. Have I achieved it yet? No. Will I achieve it this side of heaven? Not a chance. But I'm trying. I'm trying. My goal is to, to resemble Christ, to follow after Him. And this in turn brings about a, a confident hope that was once missing in my life. Failure is part of life, failure is not fatal, failure has benefits. And number four, failure releases. God's grace, oh, that's good news right there, failure releases God's grace. Isaiah chapter 64 says this, and yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Lord, we're the clay, God. We're just going to hang out here, and and whatever you want to do, however you want to shape us, God, however you want to form us, God, it's up to you. One of the things I like to do when we go to Silver Dollar City, oftentimes we'll go into the little pottery place, and there's that guy sitting behind the potter's wheel. Takes a big lump of clay, and he just kind of goes, throw Have you guys ever seen that? Kind of plops it down on there, and it, it gets a flat base, and He begins to turn the wheel, and he begins to shape. Little by little, he takes what was once worthless. Let me ask this. If you went to Silver Dollar City, I mean, you look at the pottery they make, and I don't know how much it is. We don't look at that. We just look at him making it. Let's say it's $50, $60, $70, right? What would happen if he just took that clay and goes, you know what? I don't feel like making anything today, so I'm just going to put a price tag of $70 on this lump of clay put it on the shelf. Anybody in the room willing to pay 70 bucks for a lump of clay? Nobody? Not even our resident artist? You don't want 70 bucks for, I can sell it right now, 70? No. That's kind of how we are. We're this, this little lump of clay. And the potter, God, he takes his skillful hands and his love and patience And little by little, he begins to shape us into something of great value. You may not see it, but the potter, Jesus, he knows what he's doing. He sees how he's shaping you. Now, the word shape, interestingly enough, the Hebrew word here can be translated to squeeze. Come on, grab a hold of that. The word shape can be translated to squeeze. There are moments in life when he has to squeeze you so that you become what he desires you to be. And the finished product on the other side is absolutely beautiful. Now I would venture to say if that lump of clay had feelings, it wouldn't enjoy being thrown down on that wheel. It wouldn't enjoy the potter's thumbs being stuck right down in the middle of it. The squeezing and the pressing, the spinning. Likewise, we don't necessarily like that in life. But the end product, what God's wanting to do inside of you, would you trust him? Would you trust him in the process? Sometimes we've got to admit our pain is our own doing. Sometimes we hurt because we mess up and the consequences around us have hurts. But in that time, in that squeezing time, would you trust in God's grace? I want to wrap up this morning by telling you a little story. There's a guy in the Bible, his name's David. You might know David. He's the one with the slingshot that threw the the rock and hit Goliath in the forehead. But at this point of the story, David is a successful king. In fact, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He lived for God most of his life. But guess what? David messed up. See, David committed adultery. He walked off to the roof of of the building and he saw this lady bathing. By the way, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be in battle with his army, but he wasn't where he should have been. Boy, that'll preach on its own right there. How many of you know that when we're not where we're supposed to be in the presence of God, that's when we start messing up? That was free, by the way. That's a whole other sermon right there. But here David is, he, he peers over the edge. He's like, ha oh, ha, who is that? The Bible says he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and, and guess what? She became pregnant. What's the king going to do? He has Bathsheba's husband killed. That's what the king did. But now we have two sins, adultery and murder. Because of this sin, there were consequences, high Consequences. This baby that was conceived by David and Bathsheba, the baby died. David's family was in turmoil. War became a regular occurrence for the rest of David's life. David was absolutely crushed. He failed. He messed up. Consequences. Would he remain crushed? What would he do? Psalm 51 tells us the cry of his heart. He says, Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of sins. Wash me and clean me from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Guilt. Against you and you alone I have sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I'll be cleansed. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sin. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal, right spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. That I will teach your ways to rebels. They'll return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. Then I'll be joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire, listen carefully, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. Oh God, restore unto me. See, David, even though he failed, he came to the realization that if he wanted to rise again, if he wanted to get out of that failure, if he wanted to move forward, then he had to learn to put his hope in God. And the most beautiful part of the story is David and Bathsheba, uh, even though they failed, they turned back to God. God cleansed them. If you keep reading, it says that David and Bathsheba had another child. His name was Solomon. Solomon had a, a child. By the way, Solomon was a great king as well. But Solomon had a child named Rehoboam. Rehoboam had a son named Abijah. And Abijah had a son named Asa. If you follow the lineage down and down to the great-grandsons and great-great-grandsons, and 25 times later, you find a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph marries a woman by the name of Mary who has a baby that we know as Jesus. Oh, come on. That's good stuff. Even through David's failure. God brought hope. So here's what I've discovered. It's not time to give up. It's time to get up. You may be here today and you are consumed by rocks. You are consumed by the boulder of consequence. Can I just tell you, your hope is built on nothing less.